Well, welcome to the Soapbox series, a podcast that we've launched to speak with thought leaders in the renewable energy industry about topics that are important to them with a focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Joining me today is Jennifer Goodwillie, the head of development with Nova Clean Energy. Thank you so much for joining me on my soapbox today. Thanks for having me. Really excited to have you here. So I thought um, to get started, it would be helpful if you could give us some background. You very recently no- joined Nova Clean Energy. Um, so maybe talk to us about your transition over to Nova and who Nova are in the industry. Sure. So um, Nova is the North American uh, development platform of Blue Star Energy Capital. Blue Star Energy Capital is a new renewable energy investment platform founded by Declan Flanagan. Um, you know, at Nova will be focused mostly on a greenfield project development plan here in the U.S. primarily, as well as opportunistic M&A across wind, solar, and storage. Great. Thank you for that background. So I'd love to know why you agreed to be on our podcast today. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the industry is at a really exciting juncture. The IRA just passed. Um, the industry has really grown up, I feel like, over the course of my career. And so um, we're seeing new companies form right now. Uh, the strategics uh, are more sophisticated uh, than they were 10 years ago, uh, especially in North America. And um, building a team uh, in this industry is is complicated. Um, so I always like talking about, you know, hiring, building great teams, um, and how to uh, how to do that in the industry. Yeah, I want to talk a lot more about building a team, and I know you're really passionate about management principles and maybe the lack thereof that there has been in the industry in the past. So a lot for us to unpack today. Um, before we go into that, I kind of want to talk about um, the overarching theme that I know will be woven throughout our conversation, um, which is how do you feel about the state of diversity in the renewable energy industry? I think it's definitely gotten a lot uh, better than when I first started. So I remember, always remember my first AWEA and, uh, you know, one specific colleague uh, that I still, you know, close with today um, reached out to me while I was there and could, I think, tell that I was just feeling a little bit alone. I was one of the only women at uh, AWEA and, uh, very junior as well. And so it's just hard to navigate. Um, I love seeing how many young women um, and, you know, underrepresented uh, candidates are entering the industry now. And I think industry is doing more and more to support that. So great efforts by groups like RISE to uh, foster that community. There's a lot more to do, especially in leadership. Um, and so I, I think that we're seeing sometimes um, underrepresented communities leave the industry, unfortunately, because they're, they don't see a path up. And so I think that's the next challenge is making sure that there are leadership opportunities that um, companies are aware that it's a different journey, you know, for, for different individuals and supporting that journey. Yeah, I agree. I still think we've got some work to do on the conference front, but it's likely improved quite a bit, um, even over just the last five years. Yes. with more representation across different groups. Yep, I, I think that's definitely true. And especially efforts like making sure, for example, that you know, you're know you not having panels of all white men um, exclusively at a conference, things, that, things like that. I think people then see like people wanna hear from, you know, from women, from people of color, like across the board. It's not just, um, 
it's not just one type of person that has a voice in this industry. So I think the speaking engagements are, are really critical and I'm seeing more of that. Yeah. Well, and, and you talked about, um, you know, previously or earlier on in the industry, there really wasn't a path up for women in diverse groups in the industry. And that likely plays a lot into the management principles earlier on in the industry. So what do you think were the earlier management principles for the first 200 gigawatts of solar and wind? I think it was really a very much like a low Lone Ranger concept. And so you had people filling in where they could. Um, and, and it was exciting, right? Like it's fun to work at a company where it's all hands on deck and, um, you know, really just see what you can achieve. And I think that does work, um, when it's a nascent industry, um, a small company, you can be more flexible than you can be with like a really large company, for example, with a lot of people, you have to be uh, more defined with the roles. Um, but I think that the challenge of that was that at smaller companies, people tend to just um, hire based on people who they trust, which is understandable, but then they're really hiring within their networks. And so those small companies didn't tend to be incubators for diverse talent. Um, and the larger companies, you know, maybe had a different role to play there and that has evolved quite a bit. They do have more programs now. They're more focused on diversity. Um, it just didn't tend to be what the industry was focused on, I think, in the last, I guess, like five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I think the other challenge, though, then, is that it's really a long game. And so focusing on, you know, having internship programs and, you know, fostering, you know, uh, talent for leadership early on, uh, it's difficult to just plug in and um, suddenly have a diverse talent pool. You have to build that talent pool. And in renewable energy, we're still doing that. It's a shallow talent pool right now. I know. Well, especially with how much growth we've seen in the last 12, 18 months, it's gotten much harder across the board. A lot harder. And I think that uh, at least, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but I did notice uh, in a lot of jobs that I've had that people are just looking just to the industry. And so doing that, just looking at who has wind experience, who has solar experience, mm -hmm. that's really limiting. And so what I'm seeing more of, and I think is great, is reaching across and looking at, hey, this is the role. Uh, this other industry has very similar roles. Why don't we take that? It's a skill that they have. And it's much easier in my experience to, um, you know, teach someone knowledge-based material. So like kind of teach them about, um, you know, the wind industry, teach them about the solar industry, uh, than it is to teach someone an entirely different skill set. And so Defining those roles, reaching across industries is an excellent way to uh, build the talent pool uh, within renewables. Yeah. Have you noticed this happening more? I think I have, and I think out of necessity, right? There's just, at a certain point, you have to realize in your um, hiring efforts that it's not working and you really just need to be pulling people into the industry. The other big advantage of it that I've seen, and I think others have as well, which is maybe why we are seeing more of it, is it's great to have a new perspective. So especially for someone that like myself, like I think a weakness, right, is I've only been in renewables in my entire career. And so I have that perspective. Um, I don't have the perspective of someone that was maybe kind of brought up in the oil and gas industry and has a different way of looking at the world. A lot of renewable energy development is, you know, solving complex problems. And that's best done with diverse teams with diverse perspectives and have, you know, having solved many problems over the course of their careers in renewables or not. Yeah, that's a really interesting and humble perspective and like self-awareness 
Um, and it plays into the larger concept that diversity of thought in any industry is really valuable, that we get kind of myopic sometimes in what we're doing. Um, if we've only worked in one industry or only kind of you know, been doing the same thing. So bringing in folks from other industries and obviously from um, other ethnicities, et cetera, can really create, I mean, a, it has a lot, a knock-on effect in multiple different places, but I appreciate the awareness. Yeah, I think having different backgrounds is one of the big value adds of diversity. And um, I think if you are, you know, just, if you have a team that looks exactly like you with exactly the same background, both um, you know career-wise and also just background from growing up and different the same schools, et cetera, you're going to create an echo chamber. Um, mm -hmm. And those not those are typically not the places where innovation happens. <laughs> okay, so we've talked a little bit about the opportunity that we have with we have a finite talent pool. So there's an opportunity to pull into um, parallel industries to create some more diversity of thought, et cetera. Um, what do you think is the opportunity moving forward with the growth in the industry to create new management principles for the next 200 gigawatts? Yeah, I think you need to look at hiring for skill and for intangibles, not just for direct experience. And then most importantly, train your leaders because it's, you can't do it on your own. So I know that I can't just kind of show up and have this mentality and expect to build a great team, right? You need to develop leaders um, that are capable of developing individuals that maybe don't have the exact experience or the direct experience, but have those skills, have those intangibles and are, you know, going to, you know, be able to show up and, and do the job. I think that's what builds a great organization. Um, I'd much rather believe in someone and see what like they're capable of, develop them, than than only hire people based on their exact track track record or exact experience. Um, it's just more, it gives more room, I think, for everyone to excel. Yeah. So, what do you think are some of the challenges then with building a team beyond even just hiring um, leaders that you see potential in? I think one of the things that makes it hard in, in, in the industry, and this is, I think, what, you're, what you were touching on with um, just because of how the industry is right now, and I'm sure you see this all the time, right? Like you have a role that you're filling, let's just say, um, project engineer, right? Mm -hmm. Or development manager, or um, even some more specific roles like GIS. Uh, what those individuals were doing at uh, one company might be very different than what is being asked of at the uh, at the role being filled. And so I like to get pretty specific. I think that's the challenge because um, when you dive into what what they were doing, what the skill set is, I found that that differs more within renewables uh, than what I've observed in other industries um, where I think every industry has a bit of, you know, different company standards. Um, and that's, that makes sense. I think there's a broader spectrum for like a single role uh, within renewable energy. And I'm, I know you, you also fill other, uh, you work with other, other industries. So I'm curious if you've observed that as well. Yeah. So I have, I, I strictly work in renewables now, but I have worked in other industries. Um, I would, I do agree with that. I, you had pointed that out to me when we spoke previously, and I'd never thought about it, but I never really like put it into words. Uh, but yes, I couldn't agree more that this is 
I don't think it's singularly unique to renewables, but I do think because the industry grew up so fast yeah. that that has happened. And there's so much, so many different types of companies, um, you know, small like startup incubator type companies and these m- massive utilities and everything in between that, you know, you hire a development or project developer within one and they, that person has a completely different job description in the other just by virtue of what the companies are doing in the industry um even though they have somewhat similar business plans like in some ways build exactly. a solar pl- plant or whatever <laughs> and i think what shocks me the most is like that makes a ton of sense to me when you're looking at like maybe a smaller company like nova versus a larger company um like a more strategic like edpr or stead uh, edf it's interesting that to me that like the large strategics, even within those, there's a lot of um, differences in how they fill roles. And so I think for candidates too, it's really important when you're looking for a role to dive in on, you know, what is the role, what's expected, how will that role interface with other departments? Because then you'll have a better sense of how that industry approaches development, construction, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and know if it's a good fit for you because uh, it is a two-way street. So um it's, it's just a bit challenging to navigate, I think, for, for people when they're looking. And I think for people that are hiring too, it's, you know, just have to dive into the specifics. Yeah. Making that match. I want to talk about that a little bit more, because I think that's a really interesting topic. And you came from a large, you came more from like large corporate background in your career history. And now you've moved to something completely different with Nova Clean Energy. Um, a, can you call it a startup? I mean, a startup company in the company. renewable. Yeah, yeah, new company. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas you were at Orsted and, and other large corporations before, why did you make that move to like such a dramatic move? I think it's, uh, so I actually started my career at a really small company, uh, Pioneer Green Energy. It was a small wind development um, company and it was just focused on taking projects to NTP. So notice to proceed, we weren't necessarily taking projects through construction. We certainly weren't owning and operating. Um, and EDPR and Orsted, where I worked uh, most recently, uh, those are owner operators um, and both large strategics. Um, so I, what I think is great about the industry right now and what we're seeing is it's evolving and there are these different companies, places where people can plug in um, and do great work. Uh, the reality is, is that for the energy transition, we're going to need all of it, right? Like we need the large strategics, we need Orsted, we need EDPR, but we also need small companies that are really focused on, uh, you know, developing those projects almost exclusively, right? Like focused on getting projects off the ground, whether that be Greenfield or through early stage M&A um, and building that project pipeline. Uh, there are a lot of projects in the queue right now. And so I think people look at that and think like, you know, checkbox, we're done. Like, as long as the money flows in, we have everything we need to kind of meet the needs of the energy transition. I think anyone that, you know, really has dug into those cues will tell you that's not true, right? Like the attrition rate of projects is really low. I think 10% is a fair average. Um, And so uh, there are a lot, there's a lot of need to focus on early stage development. There's also a need to have companies that are very focused on execution, very focused on operations. All of that is needed. And so for people that are 
you know, in their career right now, there's more opportunities than ever to look at what's a good fit for you. Um, I've really enjoyed, I've been thankful for every step of my career. I've been grateful to work for excellent, with excellent colleagues, like truly just some of the best people. I think renewable energy attracts like people that are very mission driven and there's something very special about that. Um, really talented people and they exist all over. And so, uh, we need all the different parts of this ecosystem, uh, the energy for the energy transition. And I felt like where I could add the most unique value right now was at a company that was focused on new projects, getting new things off the ground. Um, and Nova was a great opportunity to do that with an excellent founder at Blue Star and a great track record and, and just a great team. So um, most of it was just excitement about, you know, how to focus my time and, and energy. That's great. And I think this is a, a particularly salient point and topic that we're talking about at this moment, because you've obviously recently made the shift or switch over to Nova. And a lot of people are in this, in this um, decision-making mode of making a switch from one company to another. So you, you described a little bit of your own journey, but what do you think, um, what advice would you give someone in order to find the right match in yeah. their next career move? I think one of the biggest things to focus on is if you prefer breadth in your role, or if you would rather be something more akin to a subject matter expert, I think the size of the company um, that you're at will dictate that. The larger you get, the more uh, necessary it is to have kind of more defined roles so that people have a really streamlined way of working together. That's part of scaling. Um, and it's uh, more akin to kind of having an SME um, backgrounds. Um, if you really like breadth and if you want to have maybe your hands on a lot of different things and that's where you are at, at in your career, I think a smaller company can be a really good fit. It's not that you're not going to get that at any role at a larger company, but I think you're just going to have a lot more by necessity. You're going to have more of that at a smaller company. Um, part of that is just based on personality, but part of that I think is based on where you're at in your career and how you learn and how you plug in best. Uh, so I think a person more junior in their career, there's a lot to benefit, I think, from going to a really large company sometimes and learning really well, um, you know, a specific skill set or two. Um, but for some people, again, it's a very personal decision. I think they would do best at a small company where they kind of get to touch a lot of different things. And so it depends on the individual. I think that's a personal question people need to ask themselves. Um, I think another one is, especially if you've you know been around the block a time or two and um, you have a good sense of the industry, really asking yourself what you think the best approach is um, for you know whatever area you're plugging in at, whether that be you know development, um, you know construction, whatever, and then ask questions about how the company approaches those issues um, because. Uh, there are different ways that are valid to approach things, right? That's one of the things that I always go back to is there's usually not one right answer on, on an approach. Um, and, you know, you should probably work at a company where you at least are bought into their vision of, of that approach and how different roles work together, how the project moves through its life cycles. Um, and I think cultural related questions outside of those those two um, more technical approaches are just as important. Like, are they focused on um, 
you know, collaboration, what does communication look like? Uh, what does transparency look like? Like some organizations are gonna be more transparent than others, again, out of necessity and ability to do so, right? Um, so um, not every company is gonna have the same culture nor should it. And it's, I think a personal thing people need to look at and ask themselves is what culture do they succeed best in? What um, size company? is the best fit for them at the point that they're at in their career and you know what do they think like what do they think the best approach is and what company resonates most with with that so none of us know all the answers but you know high level i think it's important that you're bought into the company's vision for success and their strategy really really good advice i think what happens often when people are interviewing is, you know, you feel like the spotlight's on you. So you need yeah. to sell yourself on why you are a good fit for this job. And you get to the end of the interview process and you forget, wait a minute, is this the right job for me? Yes. And right now, because there is so much opportunity and people are interviewing often for three, four, five different companies with, as we talked about earlier, maybe the same title, but completely different jobs in some way. Yeah. And, you know, they get to the end and they, it, it's hard to decide because there's so many factors that play into a career search. I mean, you mentioned culture, the type of company that you're with, their vision and strategy, their philosophy and maybe ethics. Um, and how do you drill down on those when you're focused so much on, this is what I can do. I know how to permit a project and, you know, yeah, this please is how want me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is hard. And um, I think the other thing that people don't focus on enough sometimes is they're focused on that immediate next step, but not focused on maybe two steps in the future. And so like, who's going to grow you, right? Like as talent and where are you going to have room to both like fill, you know, fill out where you're currently at, but also maybe grow in the future. Sometimes you're going to want to take a step that's just like one step forward and you're going to recognize that that isn't going to be your forever home and that's okay. I think that's fine, but you should know that. And I think you should think about that. Um, I also don't see enough, I think, lateral moves sometimes. So early in the first 10 years, especially, I think it's great to take side steps and um, build the breadth that you have because you'll bring whatever you brought uh, to the previous role to that new role as well, but you're gonna learn a new skill set. So learning skill sets and making sure you're building your skill sets is super important early on. Um, I think there's, I don't know if it's like US culture or what, but there's sometimes a really intense focus to just kind of keep on moving up. Um, sometimes, sometimes it's better to kind of move to the side and uh, it's a long game, right? Like our careers are long. So, you know, you might find that that side step actually makes your kind of step up in the future a lot bigger um, and a lot more meaningful. Um, more, like probably most importantly, uh, you should be having a good time, right? Like we spend a lot of time in our careers. So uh, working every day, it's like, it's a lot. Um, and so you should find a place where you enjoy what you're doing, like the people that you're working with and where the company's values and their strategy resonates with you. That's my best advice I can give people. So for new entrants coming into the industry, because obviously there's a lot of folks that are coming in now, um, or maybe even to your past self, what career management advice would you give? I would say, you know, part of it is just that, like, 
don't think about just your next move. Think about a little bit more than that in the future. And but don't forget about your happiness today. So like I've never, and I would never recommend someone take a role that makes them unhappy, right? Out of some strategy to like, I don't even know, like progress more in the future. Um, so focus on your happiness today, but go to places where you feel like you'll grow or that will help you grow um, instead of just focusing on that immediate next step. Um, so that's one. I think in terms of other career management advice, especially if you're looking to enter the industry and you're lateraling from a different industry, I would be willing to take a step down maybe, right? And so, especially at a company where um, if it's a really different role, but you have the skill set, there's a lot more knowledge for you to learn. And so recognizing that that's going to be some time, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, and, but that might be the best path to you succeeding in the industry instead of being too focused on the level of the role. Mm -hmm. um, for new entrants that are coming out of, um, that are maybe more junior transitioning from a different industry or uh, just coming out of college or grad school, um, I think focusing on interviewing a lot of different people, not only for different roles, but also just different kind of ways to join the industry. Again, it's not even just like, we're talking right now a lot about development, but like, even if you wanted to focus on, um, I use development really broadly, right? Like just like a development company. So like Nova, EDF, both are kind of broadly going to be focused on developing com uh, developing projects, um, but very different companies. There's also like the OEMs. So like Vestas, GE, uh, there's companies that have like great consultancies um, and that's one way to plug in. So um, there's a lot of ways to join the industry, do a lot of interviewing, to figure out what makes most sense for you. It does not need to be transactional. Just like ask people to talk. I think people really like talking to like people that are looking to join the industry again, since it is really mission driven. So um, if you're looking to join, I would just reach out to people whose career paths you admire and see if you can get them on the phone uh, just for 15 to 20 minutes to see um, you know, what their advice might be and just get a better sense of what they actually do. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that's helpful in figuring out your own path. Yeah, so really like being thoughtful and purposeful about where you can see your yourself taking your career, yes. but then even more than that, being your own best advocate. And because there's so much opportunity, um, you know, I think it's easy to take the, you know, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And oftentimes with job search, because it's a very stressful thing that we do, you know, we kind of just go for the thing that the path of least resistance. Um, but it's important to advocate for yourself because yeah, even if this next career move that you make isn't your forever home or you only plan, it's a stepping stone, right? Maybe you just get two years there versus really kind of grow roots. Um, it's still an important part of the bigger picture of your career and where you could lead in the future. So being really thoughtful about that can dictate where you go with your career. Absolutely. Well, that was amazing advice. Um, that's all the questions that I have for you today. Is there anything else that you wanted to share while we're here? No, it was, it was really great talking to you and thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Jen. That was amazing.